This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second lesson comes from James chapter 1. Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, be not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep one's, oneself unsustained by the world. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As a result of the Reformation, uh, the Augustinian monks who lived in a great cloister in Wittenberg left the, pre- left the premises, left, uh, left the, uh, the order of the monastery. Luther, who had been an Augustinian monk, remained and made the cloister his family home for his wife Katie, their children, and the extended family. The family's late afternoon meal in that spacious place was often shared by a whole variety of people, exiled clergy, escaped nuns, government officials, visitors from abroad, and various colleagues. All these meals uh, featured some pretty spirited conversation. And Luther, as you might imagine, made many offhand, unguarded pronouncements on a whole sort, a whole uh, uh, 
all sorts of subjects. And many of these were copied down and preserved in a book called Table Talk. For example, he described two long-winded preachers of that day as like pulling the cork out of a large barrel of beer. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. And on the temptations of life, he had this to say. Young fellows are tempted by girls. Men who are 30 years old are tempted by gold. When they are 40 years old, they are tempted by honor and glory. And when they become 60 years old, they say to themselves, what a pious man I have become. However, he had more controversial things to say, one example of which speaks to our reading from the book of James this morning. Luther said that it should be thrown out of the curriculum at Wittenberg University. And in the preface he wrote to this book, he complained that it said little of Christ and contradicted justification by faith alone with its assertion that faith without works is dead and you should be doers as well as hearers and so forth. However, when we read the text carefully and remember that it does not stand alone but must be seen in the context of the entire New Testament witness, we can see that Luther wasn't quite right in his judgment. The point of James' epistle is not to add works to faith in order to be saved, That would mean we must do something to win our salvation rather than relying solely on the grace and forgiveness of God because of Jesus Christ. And we know that faith comes by the gracious work of the Spirit in our lives. It is not the product of our will. So what James is saying, in effect, is that faith is active in love. That is, the works of love flow from faith because, not because we must do them, but because of the transforming grace of God, we want to do them. The same grace that animates, the same grace of God that engenders faith animates our ability to love. The works that flow from the life of faith are a joy and a blessing of being a child of God, not a burden. And this is what James means by the law of liberty. It is another word for the gospel. Freed, liberated by the grace of God in Christ from the condemnation of our sin, we are freed to love and serve God and the neighbor. The desire to love and seek justice becomes who we are, who we are as those living the law of liberty, that is to say, living in the grace of the gospel. An illustration I've used before comes to mind again. The commandments of God are not simply a threat to us, but rather they are signposts of freedom that point us to the ways of love. As such, they are a blessing. And I suppose one might say that God has gifted us with a GPS for the life of love. 
Well, James goes on to tell us that true religious, true religion, faith active in love, seeking justice, will express itself not simply in religious practices, but rather it will be expressed in care for the widows and orphans. In this assertion, James echoes an age-old command given to the Israelites and recorded in Exodus, where it says, you shall not abuse any widow or orphan. If you do abuse them, when they cry out to me, God says, I will surely heed their cry. To be a widow and orphan in that ancient time was to be vulnerable to all manner of hardship and privation. One had lost his or her support, the protection of family and or spouse. And while we live in a different world, in many places of the world, the plight of widows and orphans today remains significant. Widows in many cases battle loneliness, and statistics say they are more likely than married elderly to fall into poverty or even homelessness. Orphans are also vulnerable to poverty, as well as the tragic and ugly fact of human trafficking for all manner of exploitation and servitude. I am always haunted by and deeply moved by the child's drawing that is the logo of the Children's Defense Fund. It is a drawing of a little boat high upon a wave with the words written in the lettering hand of a child, Dear Lord, be good to me. The sea is so wide and my boat is so small. The command to care for these vulnerable ones that James issues is an extension of Israel's mandate. It reflects the fact that God's justice is rooted in mercy for those, for those in every kind of need. In every kind of need. When we think of justice as fairness, we often think that, that the goods and privileges of this life should be distributed to those who merit them by virtue of their performance or their character. And that perhaps, perhaps also their, their contribution to the general good. And while this may be fair in many pursuits of life, biblical justice is also insistent that the needs of those deprived should be met simply, simply because they are children of God, without regard to merit or contribution. And though James speaks of the widows and orphans of his day, they really represent in our own day all who are vulnerable in this world, who face the liabilities of their situation in life and have not the wherewithal to commit or communal support to overcome the barriers they face to a good and sustainable life. The admonition of James concerning the religion, concerning true religion, appeals to the fact 
that the Christian vision is a communal vision in which all are a part of the unity Christ has created and all are equally worthy of our love and respect. In the communal vision, reaching out to those in need is never an act of pity and superiority. It is an act of child of God to child of God, sister in Christ to sister in Christ, brother in Christ to brother in Christ. The communal nature of our society, however, is not always on display. In our culture of individualism, the rewards of personal achievement are often paramount, and people are often too ready to blame those in need for their plight. There is a sentiment that uh, one should restrict help to those whose plight is not of their own making. And while it is certainly true that many who are in need are so because of their own choices, it is also true that divine mercy, which laces the justice of God, does not hold back, and we shouldn't either. After all, we confess with St. Paul in the words to, to the Romans, God proves his love for us, said Paul, in that while we were sinners, God died for us. We who were orphaned from God the Father by our sin have received the adoption of the children of God through Christ. So Paul says once again, God destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. So we are one with all other people in our sinfulness and deep need, and one with all others in the unconditional love of God. Indeed, Christ himself became orphaned from the Father as he took our estrangement upon himself. In that moment of agonized separation on the cross, he became, as it were, an orphan. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But God raised him from the dead. And by his love for us, Christ has made us his sisters and brothers. His adopted sisters and brothers. So there's so much need of various kinds and for various reasons. There are widows and orphans of war and terrorism widows and orphans of tragic accidents. There are widows who remain lonely while others have found their way to the companionship of friends and family. Situations differ. There are children orphaned by the addiction and neglect of their parents. Then there are the homeless, the sick, the mentally ill trying to find themselves fend for themselves while being alone in the world. 
the poor, the addicted, and the disenfranchised, and on and on and on. The Christian churches have many ministries, and each of us can learn about them and and find our place or places to be in or offer support for. What might you do? Well, pray for the guidance of the Spirit and talk to other Christians. Many of you have already engaged in some way. Tell others about your experience and what it means to you. God will give you the Spirit's gifts. Jesus said so. And whatever we do, we do as a community of faith and grace in the confidence that God will not forsake any people, no matter who they are. So you see, with God, there are no exceptions. And so it must be with us, who are his adopted children in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.